Well, I want to welcome everyone to our Wednesday night Bible study. Amen. Give me a little minute to try to get this thing on. I'm trying to be like the younger guys, you know, with this technology, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. We excited tonight? How many, how many of us have, have, uh, have been excited, have been enjoying this, this, uh, this study in Genesis? Right? We've been enjoying the study of Genesis. Me, I'm, me, I'm, I'm, I'm one who loves to, to read the stories in the Old Testament. I love reading the stories of the Old Testament. You know what I mean? Because to me, it feels like I'm watching a Netflix series. You know? Because as you read some of the stories, I mean, you find villains. You find heroes. You find suspense. You know what I mean? You find, sometimes you find comedy. But in this case... In this chapter, we're going to find some drama. How many are ready for some drama tonight? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, last week, right, we had a prayer night, right? Uh, and it was a powerful time. How many of us were here for prayer night last week? It was powerful. Listen, I got to tell you. Last week, uh, prayer was led by uh, the Hovenists, right, the Spanish youth. And the one prior to that was the English youth. And I'll tell you what. Both, both prayer services were powerful. And that tells me that God really wants to move in our youth. He really wants to use our youth. So be in prayer for all of our youth, all of our young adults. Amen? Because the Lord definitely wants to use them. So praise the Lord. But before that, Pastor T delivered us a powerful message. Amen? On Genesis chapter 26. Remember Genesis chapter 26? He covered chapter 26, you know, covering the, the reminder, right? Remember, God gave Abraham the, the, the promise, right? The, 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 the covenant, if you will, okay? And he, and he made a promise to Abraham. Anybody remember that promise? Anybody remember the promise that God made to Abraham? What did he say? That's right. Make him a father of many nations, right? That he was going to bless him. So then he appears to Isaac, his son. And he reminds him of that promise, which is what we learned in chapter 26. That he was, that he, that he, that he was going to bless him even more abundantly, right? So we learned in chapter 26 that no matter what Isaac did or no matter where he went, God's favor was upon him. God was with him, right? Even, even, though, even though the Philistines, right, the Philistines felt threatened because of the abundance that Isaac had, right? Because of the blessing of God. So much so that the Philistines even told him, you got to go. You've gotten too big and you've gotten too powerful for us. So they ended up chasing him out. And no matter where they went, they met opposition. But you know what? Through all that opposition, God still blessed Isaac. Everywhere they dug a well, they always found water. God always provided. And that's encouraging for us, right? Because how many of us know we all have the favor of God in our lives, right? We got Christ in our heart. We got favor. And no matter what type of opposition we may face, we got God's favor with us. Amen. So in chapter 26, let's see. We see the favor of God over Isaac. Okay. But then toward the end of chapter 26, we see something change. I don't know if you guys remember. You guys remember the ending of chapter 26? The ending of chapter 26, Esau marries two Hittite women. Okay, he marries two Hittite women, and, it, and, and the Bible says that 
that brought grief to both Isaac and Rebekah, okay? He brought grief into the camp. And so now we're coming into chapter 27, okay? In chapter 27, I believe to be a major division within the book of Genesis, okay? Because now we're going to see the fulfillment of this promise, right? We've been, re we've been reading and studying about the promise that God gave Abraham, and then in chapter 26, we saw the reminder of that promise when he gave it to Isaac. But now we're going to see the fulfillment come to pass, okay, as we enter into chapter 27. But to me, chapter 27 is one of the sorriest chapters in the book of Genesis. It is a sorry chapter, and it is sad. Because everybody in this chapter is messing up. Everybody in this chapter is blowing it. How many of us have ever blown it? I'll be the first to raise my hand. Yeah. How many of us have blown it? Some of us have blown it big time. I'm one of them. Right? And for those of you who didn't raise your hand, you're lying. You've blown it already. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. So everybody is blowing it. Okay. And, and, and the thing about this, you know, is that in this chapter, we find, we find characters that, that, that God uses in such a powerful way. You know what I mean? Which goes to say that it doesn't matter how God uses you, we're susceptible to messing up. We're susceptible to blowing it. Amen? Okay. So, those of us who have blown it can relate to what we're about to cover in this chapter. Amen? But before we get into chapter 27, as a matter of fact, if you want to open up your Bibles to chapter 27, you can. And while you're doing it, I'm going to give you a rundown of the list of characters that we got out of here. Remember, remember I said it feels like we're actually watching a Netflix series, right? So even though we're in chapter 27, I'm going to say we're in episode 27, okay? So here we go. The list of characters that we have in chapter 27, we got, first of all, Isaac, okay? Isaac is the son of Abraham, the father of of Esau and Jacob, the twins, right? Esau is the older twin brother. Jacob is the younger twin brother, okay? And in this chapter, Isaac is an old man now, okay? But Isaac is about to do something that's messed up, okay? Because what he's about to do is he's about to try to alter God's plan in this chapter. He's about to try to bless Esau when he knows that that's not the way it's supposed to be. So he's going to try to alter God's plan, and we're going to see that that's pretty messed up here. Now, the reason why he's doing that is because of the love that Esau, I mean, that Isaac has for Esau. Remember, he married, he married these two Hittite women, but it doesn't say that he did anything about it. You know, but it does say that Isaac loved Esau. He loved him, right? He loved him so much. I mean, Esau was his favorite, okay, because... Esau was what you call a man's man, right? Esau was a tough guy. Esau was, a, was an outdoors man. You know what I mean? He was a rugged individual. And so Isaac was really affectionate toward him, you know? He was, he was the type of guy that would, that would drive a Chevy hard body pickup truck, right, with a gun rack in his back. You know what I mean? He was a man's man. And that's the kind of man that Isaac loved, but Esau, amen? So that's Isaac. So here, we also see Rebecca, okay, Rebecca, his wife. Now, she knows 
God's heart, okay? But instead of her praying because she knows God's plan, after all, God, you know, we, we saw in previous chapters that God had told her what was, was to happen with, with the kids that she was carrying. Instead of her praying God's plan, she's plotting, okay? She's manipulating. She's what you call getting ready to pull a tranza. For those of you who don't understand what that is, a tranza, I mean, she's about to do something crooked, okay? So she's working in her own fleshly energy, okay? And that, too, we're going to see is messed up. Then we go down to Esau, the man's man, right? The older twin brother, okay? We're going to see that he's going to try to buy back what he lost. He's going to try to buy it back, you know, the Bible says, with a, with a, with a bowl of venison, right? meat, right? I like to think it was a bowl of birria. You know what I mean? To try to buy back the birthright, what he gave up, okay? So he's going to try to do that also in his own energy, okay? Then we get Jacob. Jacob in this story is lying, and he's conniving, okay? He's doing everything he can the wrong way to receive the blessing, and we're going to see that too is messed up. So here we got a whole family, a whole familia that is messed up. I mean, everybody, man, is doing the wrong thing, right? But the beautiful part of this story is the sovereignty of God. It doesn't matter how much we mess up. That's not going to alter God's plan. When God has a plan in your life, he's going to see it through. So no, man, no amount of man's sin is going to alter God's will. Amen? How many believe that? Okay. So here we go. Let's get into the details. Amen? Let's start with uh, verse 1. It says, When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son. And he said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man, and I don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Verse 4. Prepare me the kind of tasty food that I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. So here Isaac, he's saying, mijo, come here. I want to pronounce a blessing on you. Okay? He says, right now, I'm old. Blind, and I'm getting ready to die. Now, how old do you think Isaac is at this point? Anyone? 92. There's one answer. Anyone? Huh? You're close. He's actually 137 years old at this point. Okay? So he's 137 years old, and he says, I'm blind, and I'm about to die. Now, he was physically blind. But can I suggest to you that he was also spiritually blind? Because you see, back in chapter 26, we saw what happened. Esau married two Hittite women. Now, we see the difference between Abraham and Isaac. Abraham, before he died, what was his concern? His concern was that Isaac marry the right woman. So much so that he told his servant, go to my people and make sure that you get the right woman for my son. So in other words, Abraham was making sure that he crossed every T, dotted every I before he left. He wanted to make sure that his, everything was done right. 
We don't see that same thing happening here, right? Especially since, since Isaac says he's going to die, one, and two, since Esau is his favorite son. You would think he would be looking out for him, right? But no. So here he says, I'm blind, I'm old, and I'm about to die. Now, when I read this, I kind of think that maybe Isaac might have had a, maybe a slight tendency to be hypochondriacal. You know what I mean? I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Kind of reminds me of that old sitcom, Sanford and the Son. Ever watched that? You guys ever watched Sanford? It must be for the older folks like me, I guess, you know? You know? Well, Fred G. Sanford, every time, you know, something came up and he got excited, he grabbed his heart and said, Elizabeth, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm about to die. Right? Every time something happened. Well, that, that's how I see Isaac. Isaac is claiming that he's going to die. Okay? But that's not the case here. Because as we read the story, we're going to see that Isaac would live another 43 years. Okay? So... Isaac had a tendency, I believe, to be slightly hypochondriacal, okay? Now, he says, I'm going to die. My eyes, they don't see. They can't see no more. I'm getting old. Well, maybe he might have felt that he was going to die because this was the same age that his half-brother died. Remember, his, who's his half-brother? Ishmael. Ishmael was his half-brother, Abraham's other son, right, that he had with, from uh, Hagar, Sarah's servant, Okay. Ishmael died at 137. Maybe he might have thought, well, if my brother died at this age, I'm next. Who knows, okay? But how many of us have ever, have ever heard this story in Sunday school? The story of Esau and Jacob. Ain't nobody been to Sunday school? Okay, I see some hands. All right. How old do you think uh, Jacob and Esau are at this time? Take a guess. Wild guess. 40? 80? You're closer. They're actually 77 years old. 77-year-old kids, okay, which makes this story all the more incredible, right? Okay, let's, let's continue. Verse 5. It says, Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game. And prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully to what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. So she tells him, go out there, mijo, and get this meat. We're going to hook up this, this bowl of birria for your dad, okay? We're going to make him think, man, that this is the, the, the venison that he likes so much. We're going to hook him up. We're going to fool him, okay? The interesting part of this story is that Rebecca knows God's word, right? We saw in the earlier chapters that God appeared to her and told her this is what's going to happen. You've got two babies in your womb that are battling, that are fighting, and the older is going to serve the, the younger. So she knew God's word. It was clear. It was clear to her that Jacob was to be the blessed one, right? And that he was to be honored. But what does Rebecca do? She starts jumping in, 
and try to jump in front of God. Right? She tries to jump in and kind of like uh, help God out, if you will. You know what I mean? Anybody, any of us have ever done that? Come on, man. Be real. Be real. Rebecca here is doing what we all do. Right? Because it creeps up on us real subtle. Right? And that's knowing God's work, doing God's work, but not in God's way. You know what I mean? All of us have done that at one time or another. Okay? Knowing God's word, doing God's work, but not in God's way. We need to understand that when it comes to God's work, it must be done God's way. Amen? There is no ifs, ands, or buts. The way God wants it done is the way he wants it done. Okay? We have a couple of, of examples here. Okay? The example of Moses. Remember when Moses was about 40 years old, still living in Pharaoh's palace. He wanted so much for his brothers, right? The Hebrew brothers, the Israelites, to be freed from the tyranny of the, of the Egyptians. So what does he do? Anyone? Exactly. He goes up and he kills an Egyptian and he buries him in the sand. Okay? Then he has this puffed up attitude like, yeah, I'm going to look like a hero. Right? Because I freed one of my brothers. I killed an Egyptian. But that's not what God wanted. God didn't tell him to go out there and kill somebody. God didn't tell him to go out and, 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 and rescue your brother by killing somebody. He didn't tell him that. But Moses did it in his own energy, right? He did it in his own, his own will. And what happened? The very people that he was trying to save are the ones that never even received it. They wouldn't take it. So what happens to Moses? He's on the run. And he's on the backside of the desert for about 40 years. Why? Because he wanted to step in front of God and do it his way. Okay? We also have another example, too, with David. King David. The story when David wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into the capital city of Jerusalem. You remember that story? David, his intentions were right. He wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant back in. He wanted the glory of God to come into Jerusalem. But the way that he did it was wrong. He got all excited. He got all the people together. He was like, man, we're going to have a huge parade. He got like about 20,000 people. And, I mean, he set everything up. And then he had a cart built. He built a cart in order to carry the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. And he had two guys manning it. One guy controlling the cart by the name of Uzzah, U-Z-Z-A-H, Uzzah. And that word, that name Uzzah means strong, okay? And then he had another guy in the front guiding it by the name of Ahio, A-A-H-I-O. I hope I didn't butcher that, you know, which means friendly, okay? So here we are. I want you guys to picture this. They got this huge parade, this huge celebration. The Ark of the Covenant is, back, is coming back into Jerusalem. And what happens? It's about to fall because they hit a bump in the road. Okay? So what happens when he hits the bump in the road? Well, we got Uzzah, that is Mr. Mr. Strong, right? Says, I'm going to give God a hand. Sticks out his hand to hold the, the Ark, and God strikes him dead. Because he touched the ark. Right? 
How do you think David felt? Pretty upset, huh? Pretty perplexed. Right? Because he's thinking, I had everything right. Everything was going good. Everything looked good. I had all the pieces in order. And all of a sudden, God kills this man. Talk about raining on your parade, huh? So what does David do? The Bible says that he, for a couple of months, he goes away and he pouts. And he's angry. He's upset. But the beautiful part of the story is the fact that he gets back into God's word. The Bible says that he reads the scripture. And in the scripture, he realizes that the, what they were doing, they were doing it the wrong way. Because you see, the Ark of the Covenant was not supposed to come in on a cart. The Ark of the Covenant was to come in on the shoulders of the priests. On the priests. Why the priests? Priests are those who pray. Priests are those who worship. Priests are those who praise. Amen? So, the Ark of the Covenant was coming in quietly on the shoulders of the priests. And as we read the story, the story goes that they traveled. And mind you that the Ark of the Covenant was only six miles out of Jerusalem. And they were traveling six miles toward Jerusalem. But get this, they were only taking six steps. Six steps and then they would stop. Build an altar. Sacrifice an animal. Worship. And then take another six steps. Now I want you guys to picture this, okay? Here we are. One, two, three, four, five. Six, build an altar, sacrifice, worship. Then we take another six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Same thing. Can you imagine doing that for six miles? Now, let me ask you, is that efficient? No. In the world's eye, that would not be efficient. It wasn't efficient. But it was effective. You see, there's a difference between efficiency and effectiveness. Efficiency is doing things right. Right? Efficiency is doing things right. Effectiveness is doing the right thing. And what these priests did, they did the right thing. Amen? So you think about the right thing, right? What's, what's so right about taking six steps? Well, let me ask you this. Guys, help me out. Six in the Bible is the number of what? Man, right? Six is the number of man. It's also the number of flesh. Okay? These priests stopped every six steps to, to sacrifice, to praise and worship. Every day, it's a battle, right? We're always battling. It's the flesh against the spirit. It's always battling every day. Sometimes we think we're walking so spiritual and we're not. We're walking in the flesh. Right? This message right here is telling us that, hey, listen, you got to take some time to stop and worship. You got to take some time to get out of the flesh and seek God. Look for God. Wait on God. Worship God. Get out of the flesh. Amen?
Because we see here that when they did that, in the eyes of the world, it wasn't efficient, but it was effective. Why? Because the Ark of the Covenant made it into Jerusalem. Amen. The glory of the Lord came back. Amen. And you know, there's always, there's always a temptation, you know, to do the things of God a worldly way, you know, in the ways of the world. And we got to get out of that type of mentality. Amen. We got to stay into the spirit, do things God, God's way. Amen. And so this is what we see is going on with Rebecca. Rebecca's doing things in her own way. Okay. So she tells them, go get me some of that meat. We're going to hook up this plate of birria, this plate of venison, right? And we're going to fool Pops. We're going to make Pop, Pop think that this is the food that he likes. Okay? Let's continue. Verse 11. It says, Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but mother, my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him I would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. So Jacob was like, hold on a minute, Jefita. You know, Jefita is a Mexican slang word of endearment for mom. So he's like, hold on a minute, Jefita. This ain't going to work. Because Esau's a hairy man. I'm a smoothie. Even if the food tastes like the way dad likes it, he's still going to know that I'm not Esau because Esau is a hairy man. Remember? Esau is the outdoors man, the hunter, the man's man, right? The deep voice. If you want a visual, he would be like your Duck Dynasty type. All hairy and rugged. While Jacob is more of your Martha Stewart fan type. You know what I mean? Watching the Food Network, you know, waiting to cook up some type of meal type of guy, right? He was a smoothie. So he says, this ain't going to work, Hefa. It's not going to work. But Rebecca, being the smart woman that she is, she had everything all figured out. But the funny thing about this part of the story is not what they're doing, but it's the reaction of Jacob. Because Jacob is like, if I get caught, I'm going to seem like a deceiver. You're not going to seem like a deceiver. You are a deceiver. You're a liar. You know what I mean? So Jacob is worried about him getting caught and how it's going to look. Isn't that what society is all about? Everybody's worried about how everything's going to play out. How's it going to look? Right? People are worried more about how, what's, what's it going to make me look like instead of who I am. Right? People are, are, are worried more about reputation than your character. You know what I mean? Reputation is what people think who I am or what they think about me. Character is who I know I am. Right? So Jacob here is more concerned about reputation than he is about character. If you ever want to give yourself a character test, one simple rule. How you are behind closed doors when nobody's watching, that's your character. How you are in front of people that don't know you come to Mission Ebenezer. How you talk. Right? How you act. That's your character. So, check yourself. Right? 
check myself, right? Amen. Man, it's getting kind of quiet here. It's getting kind of quiet here, huh? Yeah, we started off with some amen, and all of a sudden we're like, crickets. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and go to verse 13. It says, his mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son. That's messed up. She raided his closet. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with, with goat skins. Then she handed her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. So Rebecca had everything figured out, yeah? She, I mean, she solved everything from the timing to the food to the skin, even to the smell. Man, she gave Jacob that locker room smell, okay? Okay, let's continue. Verse 18. He went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac said, um, Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord, your God, gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so that I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Verse 22. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob. Someone say, The voice is the voice of Jacob. Say that again. The voice is the voice of Jacob. But the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were, were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he, he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked him. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat, so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought some of the wine, and he drank. And then his father said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So Isaac tells him, Isaac is suspicious at this time, at this moment now. He's like, mijo, you know, you brought that in pretty quick. I'm kind of finding it hard to believe that. You brought that in pretty quick. Now, let's think about this. Jacob supposedly hunted the deer, which takes time. Prepared the deer to cook, which takes time. Cooked the deer, which takes time. But it brings it to pops in record time. So dad right now, at this moment, is thinking something's fishy. Something ain't right. But there's a couple of things that I want us to see here in what Jacob is doing. Okay? Number one, Jacob is claiming to be someone he's not. Okay? He's claiming to be someone he's not in order to receive the blessing from his father. That's false identity. He's claiming to be someone or wanting to be like someone in order to get what they have. Okay. Number two, Jacob claims to do something he never did to solidify the blessing. 
Okay? So number one, he claims to be someone he's not. Number two, he claims to do something he never did. And you know, he did all this in order to receive what they had. And what I'm seeing in the modern church today is many people going from place to place seeking what they have, seeking the blessing, right? Many people are going to this place and that place or trying to be like others or design what other people have, whether it be the blessing, whether it be an anointing, whether it be gifts or talents. I see that all the time, okay? I see many people desiring to do works of other people, other people are doing, okay? One thing is clear. Our identity in Christ is unique. Our identity in Christ is unique, and it's different from one another. I'm different from you. You're different from me. But we all have the same Holy Spirit. Okay? We all have the same Holy Spirit that distributes the gifts and the talents according to what? According to faith. According to our faith. Amen? We're all anointed. I see many people going to this place because there's an anointing. I'm going to that place because there's an anointing. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to go to a revival. No. I'm not saying that it's wrong to go to another event. No. What I'm saying is that if you're going for the reason to find an anointing, there's something wrong with that. And I'm going to tell you why. Because we all have Christ in our hearts, right? What is Christ called? The Messiah. What does Messiah mean? Anointed one. So if you have Christ in your heart, you're already anointed. You're already anointed. You don't have to travel from place to place trying to seek an anointing that someone else has when you already have it. When I already have it. Okay? The problem isn't whether we have the anointing or not. The problem is our faith. Because this is what we're seeing here with Rebecca and Jacob. Is the faith. You see, Rebecca knew that she had the blessing. God had already told her. Jacob knew he had the blessing because Esau gave it up. So they had the problem was their faith in God's ability to get it done and their faith in God's timing. And so what do they do? They jump out in front of God and they do it all, act in the flesh, right? Praise the Lord. Okay. So, Isaac tells him, he says, how is it that you're able to bring this and do this so quickly? I love the answer he gives him. He says, the Lord your God helped me. The Lord your God did it, and it happened so fast. So, not only does Jacob claim to be someone he's not, not only does Jacob claim to do something he never did, but now he's bringing in a co-signer to seal the deal. Right? He says, the Lord your God, help me. Say that. How many times have we heard people say, the Lord told me? The Lord told me this. The Lord told me that. The Lord said this. The Lord said that. You know, sometimes I feel like people are living a religious OCD. 
and I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean it to be offensive, but I say it out of concern. Because many saying that the Lord told me without having confirmation. Where do we get confirmation? Through God's word. The word of God said that his word will never fail us. Amen. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8. It says the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. What does that mean? His word will never fail. Amen. Luke chapter 1 verse 37 says no word from God will ever fail. And the greatest example is Jesus. Jesus always confirmed his word. Jesus never went off on a tangent. He always confirmed his word. What happened when he was in the wilderness? Each time he got tempted, did he go off on a tangent? What did he say? It is written. He went back to the word. It is written. Or what about in times whenever the Pharisees tried to trip him up, right, with these questions? For example, the issue of divorce. When he asked him about divorce, what did Jesus say? Did he go off on a tangent? No. His response was, have you not read? He always took it back to the word. Why? Because his word never fails. But when we get people that say, the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that, please seek confirmation in God's word. Amen? Because let me tell you something. If the Lord is going to give you a spoken word, which I know he will, right? I'm not living in God because God will speak to anyone he wants to, who he wants to, how he wants to, wherever he wants to, right? I'm not saying that he won't. But if he gives you a spoken word, it will not deviate from his written word. Amen? Praise the Lord. So Isaac right here, he's feeling suspicious, and he's like, something's not right. But you no, know, we're seeing here that his senses failed him. His senses failed him, okay? It says that he smelt him. <sighs> yeah, that's Miho. Huh? That's Esau. Yeah, that's the man's man right there. Then he touched him. Oh, yeah, it's Harry. Yeah, that's my, my outdoorsman, right? So in his mind, he's like, well, if he smells like Esau, if he feels like Esau, well, then it must be Esau. He says, well, then it's Esau. But no, his senses failed him. You see, he couldn't see, right? His eyes failed him. And his smell failed him, and his touch failed him. You know, the only thing that did not fail him was the word that he heard. The word that he heard. Remember? He said, the voice is the voice of Jacob. He didn't say the voice sounds like Jacob. He didn't say it could be Jacob. No, he was sure of it. The voice is the voice of Jacob. He knew the truth. So here, Isaac is in a position to where he's got to make a choice now. Do I choose from the truth or do I choose based on feeling? You know where I'm going with this? The same thing can happen to you and me. We can make the same mistake that Isaac did if we go based on feeling. Because we got many people, well, I feel this and I feel that. When they know the truth. And if you don't know the truth, then you got to seek the truth. We cannot go based on feeling. Oh, but it feels so good. 
Jesus. I feel the presence of God. Oh, it just feels so good. And I'm not making fun of nobody. I'm not. You know. Oh, when you get, oh, the chills, oh, this and that. Show me in the Word. Where's your confirmation of the Word spoken to you? Amen? Why am I saying this? Because I'm saying that there are many that are getting sucked into something that seems so spiritual. They're going to this, they're going to that, and they're getting sucked in because it seems so spiritual. It smells like God. It feels like God. But it's against His Word. It's not according to His Word. You know what I mean? And many people are getting hurt. They're getting sucked into something that is wiping them out. Whether it be financially, emotionally, right, spiritually. Hold up your Bible. Do me a favor. Hold up your Word. Huh? I see phones too. Yeah, because everybody uses the, the apps, huh? That's good. We see all this church. We see that. Stay in the Word. Okay? Stay in the Word. Listen, there is plenty in God's Word to keep all of us, you and I, busy for a lifetime. There's plenty in God's Word to keep us busy for a lifetime. There's plenty clearly seen in God's Word that we're not doing, that we should be doing, without us having to go out on a tangent because it feels hairy. Amen? So let's stay in God's Word. Amen? Okay, verse 27. So he went to kiss him. Uh, so he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and he said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. My God gave you the heavens due and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. And may your sons and your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed. And may those who bless you be blessed. This right here is the favorite part of this chapter. To me, this is my favorite part. Because we see two things going on right here, playing at the same time. We see a combination of Isaac's sin along with the sovereignty of God. Now, we've seen Isaac's sin. We've seen what he's done and what, he, what he's doing, right? But notice what Isaac says. He says that the smell of his son was so pleasing, right? It was the smell of the field that had been blessed by the Lord. Now, remember, Isaac is talking to Jacob, though he doesn't know it. He still thinks he's talking to Esau, okay? So he tells him, he goes, man, you smell good, you know? You smell like the field. He doesn't realize that what he's doing is he's actually speaking correctly about Jacob. Because Jacob will one day be called what? Israel. And Israel is a territory. Israel is a field that would be blessed. And so we see God right now speaking into him right now. I mean, through Isaac, the blessing that he had already ordained, that he had already planned, right? The Hebrew word for field is sadeh, S-A-D-E-H, which means country or territory. So what he was saying here is that the smell of his son Israel is, in fact, the smell of a country. 
a nation that would be blessed by the Lord. Amen. This is the sovereignty of God. God willed it. You know what I mean? To me, this is exciting. Why? Because it shows me that no matter what happens, no matter what circumstances go on around us, God is in control. And when God says, this is what's going to happen, believe it. That's what's going to happen. Amen? How many believe that? Come on. We've got to get excited tonight. God is in control. Somebody help that brother out, man. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So now we see Isaac fulfill God's will by pronouncing the blessing over Jacob. Let's continue. Verse 30. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, meaning he barely got out of Dodge, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who is it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out in a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me. Me too, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. 36. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright. Wrong. He gave it up, remember? And now he's taking my blessing. Wrong. Never belonged to him. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Verse 37, Isaac answered Esau, I have made him Lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, father. Then Esau wept aloud. So when it says here that Isaac trembled violently, this same term, is also used in chapter 42 in a future chapter that we're going to cover. Chapter 42 of Genesis, which is the story of Joseph. Now we know the story of Joseph, right? Joseph would be one of 12 sons of Jacob, of who we're reading about right now. Okay? Joseph, who would be sold into slavery by his brothers out of jealousy. Why? Because Joseph was Jacob's favorite. Okay? So without going into too much detail, because I know we're running out of time, time goes by. And Joseph ends up being second in command of the land of Egypt. Okay? So through that, through that time that he's second in command, the land of Egypt and, all the, and, and the whole land goes through a famine. Okay? Where everyone is forced to go to Egypt to buy food because Egypt was the only place that had food because God had blessed Joseph with wisdom on how to steward God's provision and the finances in Egypt. So they had food stored up for the time of famine. So here we have, in this story, Joseph's brothers are forced to come to Egypt to buy food. They don't even realize that they're dealing with their own brother. They buy food. Joseph recognizes them and says, I'm going to give them their money back. And they don't even know it. So he places their money back in their sacks of grain. Now, when they travel back and they open the sacks of grain, they see the money. 
it says that they feared and they trembled. That's the same thing that we see here. It's the same thing. They feared and they trembled, okay? But their reaction was, what is this that God has done to us? In other words, they realized that this was an act of God, okay? This was an act of God because they realized that now we messed up by selling off our brother into slavery. And we messed up by bringing grief to our father, by telling him that, he, that his son was dead. So they realized this is an act of God. We're paying for what we did. This is what Isaac is, is, is understanding now. He's realizing this is an act of God. I got caught. Okay? I messed up. I tried to alter his will. And now I'm paying for it. Because now we got a 77-year-old man who's crying like a little girl. Right? He's crying for that blessing. He wants that blessing. He wants that inheritance. He's begging for it. Okay? So what happens when he cries for that blessing? That blessing is the birthright. I like how, I like how Pastor T brought it to our attention a couple weeks ago. The birthright was a double portion of the blessing. It was the double portion of the inheritance that was transferred over to the oldest son. In this time, it was transferred over to the oldest son. But as we continue to read God's word, we'll see that the blessing was transferred over to all the, all the children. Right? Because all the children desire blessing. How many of us know that our kids desire blessing? They want to be blessed. Right? They want that blessing. So what happens here? Esau realizes that he's not going to get it. Because he gave it up. Right? So... Isaac transfers his blessing to his son. The importance of this blessing is so important because even, even in, the, in, the, in the Orthodox Jewish family, the modern-day Jewish family, they still do the same thing. They still carry that tradition. They still transfer the blessing onto their kids. If you were to speak to an Orthodox Jew and you would see their family, I mean, their kids could be three, four years old. They'll say they're so-and-so the doctor. They're so-and-so the lawyer. Why? Because they've already spoken the blessing into their life. They've transferred the blessing into their lives. Okay? And that's what I believe what we lost in our culture today. Right? Kids today don't hear the blessing from their parents. Kids today don't know what the blessing's all about. Okay? The blessing is two things. One, it's a proclamation. Right? It's a proclamation of who he or she is. In other words, we're proclaiming, we're declaring who they are. Okay? Number two is that it's a revelation of where they're headed. So in other words, our children need to hear son, daughter, mijo, mija. This is what I see in you. This is who you are. This is what I see in you. This is where you're going. They need to hear that blessing. Amen? This is why we see so many kids today and age that are just wandering around aimlessly, not knowing who they are. Or not knowing where they're going. How many times have you heard a young child say, I'm trying to find myself. Right? When I hear that, that breaks my heart. You know what I mean? Because they don't know the blessing. And they're craving the blessing. You got kids that are even 20 and 30 years old that still don't know it. They don't even know how to articulate it. They're craving the blessing, church. Our children. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, our children are craving the blessing. They want the blessing. They desire it. Amen. 
If we don't give them the blessing, they'll find it somewhere else. They're craving attention. They're craving affection. And they're craving affirmation. Those three things, attention, affection, and affirmation. And if we as parents don't give it to them, they'll look for it somewhere else. And it'll be a perverted version of it that's going to mess them up. So mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, let's speak that blessing into their lives. Amen. If you don't have any kids, we got plenty of kids running around here at the mission. Amen. Look at all the kids that came at VBS, right? You speak that blessing into their lives. Let them know who they are and where they're headed. Amen. The blessing, it entails four things, okay, that we see here what Isaac did. Number one, it's a tender, meaningful touch, okay? Isaac told Jacob, come near and kiss me, my son. That's a tender, meaningful touch, okay? I read an article uh, from uh, the Touch Research Institute at the University of Miami School of Medicine. And in the article, it said that the positive touch stimulates pressure receptors under the skin, lowering the heart rate, slowing the breath, decreasing stress hormones, and boosting the immune system. In other words, touch helps bodies stay healthy. Plus, it raises kids' spirits immeasurably and has shown that positive touch lowers depression. That's how powerful just a meaningful, tender touch is. Amen? And Jesus is the perfect example. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, it says, People were bringing the little children to Jesus for him to do what? To place his hands on them, to touch them. Okay? But the disciples rebuked him. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant, meaning he was angry, he was mad. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such of these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Verse 16, and he took the children in his arms. That's touch. Okay. And he placed his hands on them. That's touch. And then he blessed them. Amen. So parents, grandparents, let's not wait until our kids are 18 years old and out of the house. To give them that attention, that affection, that affirmation. Right? Let's not wait. Amen. Let's do it now. Let's not get too busy with work. Let's not get too busy doing other things. Matter of fact, let's not get too busy doing ministry that we neglect the blessing for our children. Amen. So, tender touch. Number two, there needs to be a spoken message. Of, value, of valued, valuable evaluation, okay? Isaac says, the smell of my son is the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. In other words, he goes, you have the fragrance of the field, son. He goes, this is you. Ah, you stink so good, mijo. He goes, this is who you are. I'm proud of you, mijo. You know what I mean? So he speaks that in he speaks that valued evaluation. In other words, it was a good thing, right? He was a man's man. In other words, he praised him for his strengths, right? 
this is who you are. Ah, mijo, you smell good. You have the fragrance about you. This is what I see in you. And this is what kids don't hear. Kids need to hear that. Right? Whatever you see in your son and your daughter, tell them, hey, son, dad, this is what I see in you. God has made you this way. He's blessed you this way. Right? You smell like the outdoors. You're an outdoorsman. Right? We owe it to our kids, okay? Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Okay? Granted, it's talking about if you owe someone something, pay it back to them now. How much do we owe our kids? We owe it to our kids. Right? Let's not wait on it. Right? Let's give it to them. Right? Let's not put it for tomorrow what we can do today. Number one is a tender, meaningful touch. Number two, there needs to be a spoken message of a valuable evaluation. Number three is a special future. Okay? Isaac says to Jacob, who thinks is Esau, right? He says, God give you the dew of heaven. You're going to prosper agriculture with the fatness of the, of the earth. People are going to serve you. They will be ruled by you. In other words, he says, there's a special future ahead of you. Okay? You're going to prosper. You're going to succeed. You're going to be a leader. You're going to have authority. Speak that into their lives. This is what I see in you, son. You're going to be a boss. Huh? You're going to prosper what you're doing. You know, the Lord's hand is going to be over you. Amen? Our kids need to hear that. They need that evaluation. And Jesus was a master at it. Look what he told uh, uh, Simon Peter. He says, you are Simon. What does Simon mean? Shifting sands. Because that was his tendency, right? He said, yeah, you're Simon, but you will be called Peter which means rock. He goes, I see what you are now, but this is who you're going to become. Amen? We got to speak that into our kids' lives. Mijo, I see what you are now, but this is what you're going to become. Amen? That's important. Okay, number four is the last one. And this is the most crucial one, and that's a continued commitment. Continued commitment. This is a key thing because we see here that after Isaac touches after Isaac evaluates, and after Isaac gives a special future word, he finds out what? I messed up. It's the wrong boy. I'm blessing the wrong boy. So what does Isaac do? When Esau is out there crying like a little girl, God bless me, reverse it, give it to me. What does Isaac do? No, me home. I'm sorry. What I have spoken, I have spoken. The blessing is going to him, and it's going to stay. And not only is it going to stay, but I'm going to make sure that it happens. A continued commitment. That's the most important, is to be committed. It doesn't matter what type of reversals you may go through, what type of setbacks, stay committed. You want to see blessings over your kids? Stay committed to make sure that blessing comes to pass. Amen. Are our kids important to us? Amen. So we got to do that, stay committed. What does that mean to us? I mean, I, I think about Job, right? Job in chapter 1. It says that Job woke up every morning and he sacrificed for his kids. He built an altar and he sacrificed a bull for each kid. Why? He said, lest my kids sin in their heart. Job did all the hard, bloody, 
dirty work every morning for his kids. And we as parents have to do the same thing. If you love your child and you want to see the best for your child, we got to get up. Get up early in the morning and do the hard, bloody, dirty work on their behalf. What does that look like? Get on your knees. Get on your knees. Right? Job sacrificed for his kids. We can intercede for each one of our kids. Amen. We can build an, uh, an altar of praise, an altar of prayer. Amen. I can do that as a dad. Right? My kids are grown. My kids one day may wander into sin. But me as a dad, I'm going to wake up every morning and do the hard, bloody, dirty work. Why? Because that's what I want for my kids. For my Mihaniki, my son Manuel, my son Victor and Vincent, I can do that for them. Because I want to see the best for them. Amen? So church, this family was jacked up. Right? This family was messed up. They made a lot of bad mistakes. They made a lot of bad choices. But you know, in the midst of all that, God still is at work. He's still moving in such a powerful way. Amen? Despite our, our, our many mistakes and our bad choices, God is still good. He's still good. And he continues to fulfill his will in our lives. Despite our shortcomings. Amen. I'm so thankful that we serve a God of second chances. Right? I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that we serve a God who's in the recycling business. You know what I mean? To take this busted up dude right here, man, and recycle him and use him, man, to glorify his name. To take each and every one of you and use you to glorify his name. Amen. God will forgive us. The Bible says that he will forgive us if we repent. If we confess our sins unto him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many believe that? Amen. God will forgive us. But you know what? There's a big but. There are consequences. Okay. There are consequences for every choice that we make. Every choice that we make bears a fruit, whether it be a good fruit or a bad fruit. It bears a fruit, and there are consequences to our choices. Yes, there is forgiveness, but there's consequences, and we're going to see that next week, the consequences that this family has to deal with. Amen? Are we excited? All right, let's, let's go ahead and end in prayer. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for uh, your goodness. We thank you, Father, for this lesson that we learned today, Lord. Grateful, Lord God, for your sovereignty, Father, for your will in our lives. We know, Lord God, that there's nothing that we can do, Heavenly Father, that can change uh, what your plan is for us, your purpose is for us, Lord. We're grateful, Father, for uh, being so quick to forgive, being so quick in mercy, Father. And so, Father, before we leave, we ask, Heavenly Father, that you forgive us, Lord. Forgive us of our shortcomings, of our failures, Lord. And we ask, Heavenly Father, for uh, the help of the comforter, Lord God, to uh, help us in our walk, Lord God, that we can make the right choices, Lord. We thank you, Father, for all that you're doing, all that you're about to do, Father. 
And we ask a blessing over everyone here, Father, as we go home, that you would give everyone traveling mercies and blessings abundantly, Lord God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray and let everyone say, Amen. Amen. God bless you, church.